Reading, short and deep. Hi, I'm Jesse. And I'm Eric. And today we're reading short and deep The Hill Woman by Francis Elliott, first published in Weird Tales, October 1934. A uh, sonnet that I found and I shared with Eric. And Eric didn't, I don't think you took to it at first, but I think you liked it in the end. Is that my memory right? At first I thought it was thin. And, yeah. and, uh, but I trust you, my friend. And so uh, since it's only a sonnet, <laughs> I read yeah. it over it. Every time I read it over, it got richer and richer. Uh, and now, in fact, I think it's uh, a beautiful and provocative poem. Yeah. Um, it's amazing. Uh, I, I had the same reaction. I read it the first time and I was like, hmm, this is this a bit um, – I don't know, hard to understand. And maybe maybe she's not being clear enough. Um, but that's just, you know, the second time. Ooh, I, I like that. Oh, this echoes that. Oh, nice. And um, it's a it's a very uh, well. Either she she just lucked into the greatest um, sort of depth of writing, or she just was a really good writer. We don't know anything about Frances Elliot, basically, right? I haven't been able to discover a single thing about someone named Francis Elliot who was alive at the right period. I found, right. I found someone who's Francis Elliot Clark, who's yeah. alive at the same period, who is in fact quite famous, but I could find nothing about Ms. Clark that indicated that she ever wrote anything that was poetry. Right. Only thing we have uh, for Francis Elliot um, on I, ISFDB Internet Science Fiction Database is the three poems. We we've read two of them. Um, I think I'd like to look more at the one I've I've already read. But uh, the Hill Woman is the middle one, and um, I think we should read it and then uh, dig into it because there's a lot there. Uh, would you care to read it? I'd be delighted. The Hill Woman by Francis Elliot. The valley people wondered at her choice, the old house groping up the straggling hill with moldering walls that echoed back her voice and vistas that were always blank and still as ancient dreams. They never really knew the hill flowers had such laughing pixie eyes. Hill clouds with silver pitchers poured the dew as dawn fans quivered in the orchid skies. She hugged the secret of her wishing well, a whispering madness when the luring Junes tossed ragged roses in a drowsy spell that burgeoned to the bees' bass violed tunes. The valley people marveled as their spires caught up the splendor of her altar fires. Hmm. So, um, it's, uh, it's hard to know where to start with this because very first, well, maybe I'll give you my very first imperson uh, impersonation interpretation was that it was to, it was to go to that well, right? The wishing well. And uh, my very first impression of it was, and I think maybe it's intended to be of literally a wishing well, right? A well where you go and you throw your coin down and make your wish 
and hopefully something will come of it. She hugged the secret of her wishing well. Like there's a well on the on her hill and that she protects the secret so that no one else can have it or no one else knows how it works. But the second interpretation I think is equally interesting and uh, probably the deeper meaning that's intended. She hugged the secret of her wishing well. That is, she wished secretly and she wished well. And that, I think, is the key for me to unlocking what I think the poem's about, which is all about this woman, this hill woman, who is kind of shunned or isolated or on the periphery of a community. And they, if not hate her, they um, don't understand her. And that is the isolation. But every time you reread it with that in mind, it gets deeper. And uh, the relationship she has with the people of the of the town um, is made more interesting, I think. Is that how you unlocked it? That was not how I unlocked it. I think that you're absolutely I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you. I That wasn't my personal path into the poem, but I think you're absolutely right. She hugged the secret of her wishing well, um, can be read as if wishing is an adjective and well is a noun. And mm-hmm. the wishing well is the source of water, which is a kind of life symbol um, for her up by the old house, which which does have its own problems and which I'll come back to or you'll come back to. But the other way is to read wishing as a noun and Mm -hmm. well as an adverb. She hugged the secret of her wishing well. That's how she does her hugging. Um, If we read it that second way, she hugged the secret of her wishing well, then that's an evaluative comment by the speaker Mm -hmm. about the nature of this hugging. Uh, what I find so a thing that I find so provocative about this poem is exactly uh, how I feel that I don't know mm-hmm. the attitudes are. For me, that was uh, my way in. If you, you look at the the opening octet, the, those eight lines that begins with the valley people wondered at her choice. Okay, so we've got the valley people, and the whole of that octet is really about the valley people. They never really knew mm-hmm. that Horace had just laughing pixie eyes. The, the speaker, whoever that is, is speaking about the valley people. Um, and it doesn't say the valley people wondered at my choice. So mm-hmm. the, the speaker is able to, to know what's in the mind of the valley people. And they are the low people. I mean, they're, they are perhaps enclosed in their sense of the world. But, but you know, she's doing magical things up there. The word pixie, you know, a pixie originally is a sort of a magical a creature. Um, she's, but, you know, you think, oh, well, she's out there, shunned. You said maybe she's shunned because uh, mm. she's a witch. But no, valley, the, the people don't sort of wonder why the witch is living in the wood. You know, they ostracize the witch Mm -hmm. in this octet. I don't feel that this all-knowing narrator, this voice who says what they feel, 
it doesn't or she it doesn't give us any sense that there is an animus against against the hill woman so then the the sestet begins she hugged the secret of her wishing well a whispering madness when the luring junes oh, oh my goodness so maybe she's kind of like a witch mm-hmm. but really maybe she is so egocentric that she is unwilling to share the the beauties um that she's able to conjure up with anyone else they don't even know that she's a witch or maybe they do but she's an okay witch but we know that she's doing something because the people at the end of the sestet which seems to be about her so the octet is them the sestet is her Mm -hmm. but then it ends the last two lines of the sestet the valley people marveled as their spires caught up the splendor of her altar fires. Now that word altar is spelled Mm -hmm. here, A-L-T-A-R. So we can think of this as a religious contrast between the spires, presumably on the churches uh, of the the valley peoples um, and whatever is the altar that the hill woman has uh, has made uh, to conjure with and to have some kind of uh, beauty, uh, some kind of fire. But mm-hmm. also altar spelled A-L-T-E-R, which has the same sound, which would mean it's an alternative fire. And while um, fire is in some senses um, a, a natural symbol for vigor, and energy. He was all fired up to get that job done. Um, fire in another way is incredibly destructive, the fires of hell. Mm-hmm. And so we don't know whether the splendor that she hugs to herself, whether that splendor is in contrast to the water of a wishing well, or it is a damnation that, that comes out of the hubris for hugging her wishing well, We don't know if she's a good witch, a bad witch, no witch, if the people know her or don't know her. But what we do know is it's a world of contrastive geography, hill and valley. Mm -hmm. It's a world of contrastive religion, spires and altars. And it is a world of contrastive sociology, community versus isolation. The poem, however, is called The Hill Woman. Mm -hmm. So as would be expectable for a poem to be read, that is, I sit alone in my room. The book, the poem was published in a magazine. It wasn't sung, you know, in a concert hall. It was meant to be sat and read by a person. The poem, regardless of these conflicts, seems to validate to some extent the isolated individual. And to put that individual, although isolated, at a at a higher place, one which can produce a splendor that even the spires of the valley people can at best reflect. Mm-hmm. Well, one one of the one of the, I I really like that you're pointing out this, and I I figured it out eventually myself as well that the that it is a contrasting view. The first stanza is about what they see, what they perceive. Right, and the second being about what she's doing, what she's uh, weaving, right, 
And then the final two, uh, the final couplet um, gives us that reflection of what the people think. And it sort of invites us to make the connection between the first view, view of her and what she's doing up on that hill and the second view of what's happening to their their um, spires. And it's a, it's a contrast, uh, um, also like an economic contrast or a, a life choice con- uh, contrast, I think, as well. The way her her home is described, an old house groping up the straggling hill, groping as if blind, right? Um, groping as if built, you know, like sort of uh, over time spreading out uh, like a weed or something, right? And then the hill is not described as um, anything other than straggling, like uh, f- lagging behind as if, you know, tired or you know, it, this is not a vigorous, um, powerful uh, home or hill. This is a, um, you know, a, a place you would wonder at why anyone would live there, right? Indeed, the walls are moldering, right? I picture green walls as if, you know, it's not being kept up. And, of course, with them echoing back her voice, we know she, she lives alone. All the more reason we should wonder at her choice. Um, and with those vistas being blank, I'm thinking, oh, there's nothing to see. And still there's no movement there. Is it winter? Right. Ah, as ancient dreams, it is blank and still as ancient dreams. That's interesting. They never really knew. Aha, the transition, the hill flowers had such laughing pixie eyes. Well, why pixie rather than fairy? It's the same number of syllables. Pixie, a pixie is uh, like a fairy, but poor. The major difference between pixies and fairies is that pixies wear ragged clothing, whereas fairies don't. They were, they're sort of upper class. Um, the hill clouds, and notice we have all these hill, hill, hills again. The hill flowers, the hill clouds with silver pictures, opposite of poor, right? Poured the dew as dawn fans quivered in the orchid skies. We're starting to see that that blank and still place is becoming beautiful with pixie-eyed hill flowers, silver pictures pouring uh, water onto the hill, and dawn fans quivering orchid skies. Beautiful imagery. You can see why she lives there now. I wouldn't be at all surprised if Dawn Fans is a kind of fern to go mm-hmm. along with the the hill flowers in general, the orchid skies, and ultimately the ragged roses tossed mm-hmm. a drowsy spell. This is a garden. This is mm-hmm. a place of beauty. I can't help but wonder if those moldering walls and the vistas that were always blank and still as ancient dreams um, are just the way the valley people look at it. Mm-hmm. If I look at ancient dreams like uh, the, the dream of immortality or the dream of eternal youth, well, I mean, there's all kinds of ancient dreams. And I don't think of those as blank and still, still, of course, a word that can mean death, mm-hmm. rhymes with hill. I don't think of those ancient dreams as blank and still, but apparently someone does, and I don't think it's the narrator. 
There's this yeah. poetic voice knows everything. So I think the poetic voice is letting us know what the valley people think of this. Yes. This, this is a poem of projection. Those, those first words that you talked about, um, the groping up the straggling hill. Um, houses don't grope. <laughs> Hills don't straggle. Right? Mm-hmm. This is what, if handled badly, critics call the pathetic fallacy. We're, mm-hmm. adding, uh, we're adding some sense of animation, characterization um, to other things that are inanimate. Um, but... It is usual to see a house as a metonym for an individual or a family, as mm-hmm. in the fall of the house of Usher, right? The house of Tudor, etc. We, we see the house in which one is a habitant as inhabited. It is a habitation and a name, right? To quote, I guess, Shakespeare, um, the valley people wondered at at her choice, the old house groping up the straggling hill. They could see that as an old house. They could see it as groping. They could see the hill as something hard to climb. We are seeing only her view in the opening octet. They see moldering walls. They see she's alone, echoed back her voice. They see that the vistas are blank and still. But they never really knew the hill flowers, the, I mean, the hill clouds. I mean, think of it. If you're in the valley and there are hill clouds, those are also the valley clouds. Mm-hmm. You look up at the sky, those clouds are overhanging everyone. Yet the people who live in the valley can't see that those clouds are silver pitchers. Mm-hmm. Therefore, there is, I think, an enormous contrast between the projection which is so mundane in the community against the projection which is so splendid to use that word splendor in the last line of the poem that the woman has she can't live out that splendor i would guess unless she goes away from the group so she's not a witch who's been expelled it looks like she is a magical no, it's her person. Choice. It's a mag- she's a magical person. She sees what others cannot. And I can't help but wonder if Frances Elliott, a person we believe, you and I, to be a real woman, um, who left no marks on her life that we can find except three poems. If maybe Frances Elliott is writing from the feelings of being a hill woman herself. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's 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 an amazing transition, and that second stanza start. She hugged the secret of her wishing well. Okay, what's that mean? Well, continued a whispering madness when the luring Junes tossed ragged, right roses. The luring Junes are the ones who are doing it. Well, Junes is a time of year, right? Um, it's capital J, right? Yes. Tossed ragged roses in a drowsy spell. There's the magic that burgeoned to the bees' bass vile tunes. To me, this is is also about like what's what is the relationship between the hills and the the things that grow, right? And that is well, literally, clouds hit the hills, which forces them upwards, right? 
and oh, air hits the hills, forces the clouds upwards, which makes them drop their rain, right? And at a particular time of year, when the, there's enough sun and enough water, and there's a lot of water imagery in this poem, it creates gorgeous beauty, right? Gorgeous beauty. A note that the roses are ragged, just like the pixie clothes and the, the house that's moldering, right? It's a sort of a poverty in beauty or a beauty in poverty. And the bass vial tunes, which is a, a very interesting way of describing bees sound, right? That burgeon uh, created this fire. And we're there left to interpret what the fire is. And I think it's very clear, at least in my mind, the valley people are marveling, not as at, you know, like literally fire on their spires going, wow, isn't that interesting? Our spires are on fire. Um, their spires maybe are ref uh, made of some reflective material. They are reflecting the gorgeous color that is throughout the first stanza and into the second stanza of the flowers that the hill woman has seemingly created and or um, been the medium through which they are allowed to happen, right? She hugged the secret of her wishing well. She wished for flowers. Um, they are catching up. Uh, literally, the hill could be the altar, right? Caught up the splendor of her altar fires. Her whole hill is covered. I picture, I picture with these pixie-eyed laughing flowers, with the orchid skies, obviously another flower, the ragged roses and throughout this hill in june um is the pollination so heavy right of by so many uh bees that the sound is bass viled which is not a light sound right it's a deep sound it's also almost a color right another color showing up <laughs> Very good. It's uh it's uh it's a it's an amazing um image and and I still like I don't understand exactly what her relationship is with the creation of of this uh beautiful image uh, over the hill. Does she, does the water in her wishing well come from the clouds that drop the silver pitchers of dew? Is that what creates is, – is her wishing properly the, the thing that causes it? Is that what she thinks? Is that a natural phenomenon? Well, the people in the valley, they don't know. They just wonder and marvel and don't even seem to connect it to her as much as the altar that she's upon. I would like to suggest um, – addressing the, the the question that you're raising that if you spell altar with an e that mm. her altar mm. fires are the fires of creation that the old house can be seen as a metonym for the woman that mm -hmm. people wonder at her because even when they see what she is doing making a house struggling to have it in a in a remote and difficult to reach place um, they don't see what she's really doing mm -hmm. but, but she's doing it 
and she is hugging the secret of her wishing well, um, one can easily see that line in a Victorian pornographic novel, <laughs> right? Where the wishing well has an anatomical um, <clears throat> analog, and, uh, and she keeps the secret to herself, and the word hugging, of course, having something to do with embrace. Uh, one can easily see the old woman as fecund in a way that ordinary people cannot understand. So mm-hmm. ask, you know, what is she doing there? I think in some sense she is creating those flowers. We've seen this again and again, as in, for example, Rapunzel, where mm-hmm. the old woman maintains the most magnificent garden, right? She brings forth life, but so one kind of life she doesn't bring forth because she is isolated by her power and her knowledge is the life of another human being. So... Rapunzel's father um, is urged by the mother to go into the garden to get Rapunzel, that is Rampion, the vegetable she wants, um, and it's a it's a it's a pregnancy craving. So the the old woman maintains the garden; she's the one with the power. In the case of Rapunzel, uh, the, the traditional fairy tale sides with the humans of ordinary knowledge, but in Francis Eliot's The Hill Woman, I think ultimately we if we don't side with the woman of extraordinary knowledge, at least we recognize the importance of having such a woman in order to have there be beauty in our worlds, in our world. We may rely on other superhuman force like religion, but the altar fires are the ones that really cause us marvel right here. And it is she who creates them, even if the valley people couldn't see that to begin with. But there's always more to say. <laughs>